Blog Talk Radio.
for this coming week in fantasy football, which, by the way, for me, has not got off to a great start. I'm in four leagues, yeah. and I am one and two in two of them. The other one is mm. I'm two and one, but I'm one and two in two different leagues. That is, it's been a while since I've really tasted that kind of medicine. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh-oh. I have dialed up, and in three of my leagues, I have, I'm forced to start this guy that I have a long, sordid history with. <laughs> oh, no. Don't say it ain't so. I am forced. I am forced. I, I looked at the waiver wire three different times, and then I said, okay, taking the emotions out of it, who would be the correct play to play in these next few weeks or this coming week, given – this particular position is a hole in my team, plus it's a bye week. So my normal starters in this position are not available. So I had to go to the waiver wire. I had to be, you know, I had to be quick about it. I had to pick up these guys. And in this guy's situation, normally it's a three-headed monster in this position. Two of the guys, one of the guys went on IR, and another guy is out for about a month. Running back for the Carolina Panthers. A guy I fell in love with when he was a running back in Memphis. <laughs> he, he has hurt my feelings. He has hurt my feelings on numerous occasions. In the playoffs, in the fantasy football playoffs, in big weeks. And all week you're going to hear how a smart play, a sleeper this guy will be just because he's going to get more touches. We've heard this before. But given what was yeah. available, guys, my announcement is I picked up D'Angelo Williams in three different leagues, and I'm riding him hard this week. I want winners. I have a long, short <laughs> history with this guy. I, you know, Eric Hamilton, the guru from KZOO, he's got a big issue with no shine for Reno. He, he just does not believe in him based on his earlier career. And we all have that guy. For me, it is D'Angelo Williams in that first slot, D'Angelo Williams in the second slot, and D'Angelo Williams in the third slot. Of guys, I just don't. They know. are who we thought they were. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, oh man! So much time, as my man Drake say, is this cat still on the intro? Yes, I am. <laughs> I, just, I just had to get this out. How much time? Is oh man! Really? On the intro. I just had to get that out. <laughs> oh, man, I understand. That was probably very therapeutic for you, man. I know, I know, I understand. Like I said, we all have that guy who we just can't get down with because they burned us in the past over and over and over. And we all sitting there, you get to that point where you look at the wave of white and you're thinking in your head, this is playing in your head. I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. That's right. But you got to. But you got to hit that ad button. You got to get the victory. <laughs> you got to get the victory. You got to get the victory, man. In the end, you got to get that victory. Yes, sir. So you're listening to the Real Sports Guys. RealSportsGuys.com. The Renegades are in the house. We have a slamming show for you. This is the portion of the show we call. 
the intro to let them know. So this is where we give you a quick rundown of everything we have in store for this show. Uh, we're going to get it going, get the oven blazing, and, and get cooking for you. So we're going to kick it off with an edition of the Funky Editorial brought to you by On the Rocks and Rocks, Illinois. And again, all guests and hosts come to you via the Fredericks County Gateway. Uh, Fredericks County, the official account in RSG. Make sure you hit them up. Tell them the real sports guy sent you. In this edition of the Funky Editorial, we are going to talk about the habitual. And has this man finally, has he finally stepped over that last line? Is he officially out of bounds, uh, given all of the heat the NFL has taken uh, for his decision-making? Uh, you know, I, I, I frame this up in our rundown is with the quote. That's the angle we're going to take as we – Dig in to Roger Goodell and his future with the league, and Please this is track record again. to this point. Game changer, game changer. Please give us that quote one more time. No one man should have all that power. Mm. So well, that's what we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna spend a good chunk of time talking about Mr. Goodell. Um, then we go and move into recapping week two and week three of the NFL. Um, hitting you off with our showed up, showed out. Uh, talking a little fantasy during that section, um, and then giving you our uh, our Renegade top three rankings, where we rank the top three teams in the league. Um, but each Renegade ranks his top three teams in the league. Then we're going to talk some NCAA football. Big Blue is in trouble. Um, is Brady Hoke on his way out? You know, we, we, we say six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, Brady Hoke, and you're gone. Right, it, it, the clock is ticking on Brady Hope, uh, and this nation, I don't think it's going to stand for this mediocrity much longer. And then we got to talk about famous Jameis, um, or infamous Jameis. Um, and you have to ask yourself, I like money, Mr. Winston. <laughs> Do you not like money? <laughs> you are costing yourself quite a bit of money. And we will then check in with the Real Sports Guys Final Four. As of today, who do we have and why in the college football Final Four? So that's what we're looking at for today's show. Uh, we got a slamming one. We're going to go ahead and get this queued up, get this thing going, like we always do about this time. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, sit. Everybody want to get funky one more time. I'm going to let Phil T have it at it. I'm going to let D. Wills have it at it. I'm just going to chew on this one for a little bit. All right, so so you you, uh, you hit me on on what do we do with the line stepper, huh? Is that what you're yeah. asking me? That's what I'm asking. You know, man. So th- this is an interesting thing. You know, um, a number of us, and you know, Phil is our resident expert on you know examining organizations. Um, you know, he can speak to it, but there's an element about the importance of 
giving power away to keep power. Like there, you know, there's a, the more you create a space of inclusivity, when you have a brand like that, it, it's it's something that can help you sustain your position in some way. You know, being able to have more uh, engagement from other folks in the process. And somehow Roger Goodell at every point found ways to create scenarios where if anything went wrong, he was always going to be that guy. And this thing is just too big. And um, in the cover-ups that are that are coming out, um, the Bashadi stuff, uh, his relationships, you know, you know, power corrupts power, corrupts whatever, you know, all that stuff. It's all coming out, and you know, it's like Rome is falling, quick. Um, now, having said that, people are still watching, um, and you know, the people who are writing the checks and signing the contracts haven't all the way walked away. But you know, there's gonna come a point if they have another rise over here in the next couple of weeks where. You know, they have some of the heat they've been taking over the last week. You know, at a certain point, the owners have to say, you know, you can't be that guy. Like, you can't be that guy that is keeping us, you know, I've been watching news. I don't know if y'all been watching. I watch NBC Nightly News. When you when you are leading ahead of ISIS, when you are leading ahead of earthquakes, when you are leading ahead of Ebola, when you are leading ahead of those things, you're in trouble. Like, it is not the league. It's like Roger Goodell and the NFL. When you are the league story ahead of crises, then that's a problem for the league. Agreed. And, and I think at a certain level, um, you know, I, I keep reflecting, and, and maybe this is just the kind of uh, me getting caught up in the moment, and, and if that's what it is, I can totally see how that could be it. But I start to think about this, and as this continues to tailspin, what makes the NFL so strong is that it pulls in casual folks. It pulls in folks that don't know a ton about the game but enjoy the atmosphere and the camaraderie that comes with simply a football, an NFL Sunday, right? And fantasy football is a great tool in doing that. It brings in the average Joe into the football and also gets them engaged with teams that they really don't know a whole ton about. I mean, you have secretaries in the office who, you know, couldn't tell you a Buffalo Bill from a New England Patriot um, who are playing fantasy football. Um, it's similar, it has a similar effect the NCAA tournament does, where it gets average folks engaged. And the last thing, and, and that's what's made the NFL king, and the last thing I think they want to do is upset that non-invested consumer. Because, again, the invested consumer, guys like us, we're going to watch no matter what. We're going to be in because we enjoy the game. There are going to be certain sections of the population that are going to be in no matter what. But what you're seeing now, because they're starting to, again, they're on today. They're on the nightly news. They're on these mainstream news outlets. You're going to see that they're going to start to alienate folks uh, who are casual consumers of the NFL um, in a way that may eventually hurt the bottom line. Um, once you have sponsors pulling out, that's a problem, and that's happening on Roger Goodell's watch. PhD, what's your take on the situation? My biggest thought comes comes from what happened to Sean Payton a few years ago. Sean Payton was told that ignorance is not an excuse. Just because you didn't know what was going on with the bounty situation or you weren't directly involved with it, it happened under your house, under your roof, 
So, therefore, you're the person in charge. You're going to be held accountable for it. It's, I'm really interested to see how this will work out with Goodell. You know, it's in some ways it's unfair to Goodell um, because the reality is, is when you're the person that is, you know, the judge and the decisioner in all situations, if you just slip up a little bit, people in the peanut gallery are going to be raising their hands. I knew it. I knew it. You were a hypocrite. Where in, in reality, it's like, not really, um, but it's really going to have that kind of spirit behind all his future decisions that are uh, conduct-related, integrity-related. Um, and unfortunately, somebody in Goodell's situation has to be above it and held at a higher standard, much like we expect our judges to be, um, if they're the ones that are, that are going to be enforcing um, integrity and conduct type of behavior. So <laughs> Ozzy Newsom came out, and Ozzy Newsom blew this whole thing up when he first said, you know what, Ray told us what happened on the video. And even once we saw the video, Ray did not mislead us. That statement right there, <laughs> at some point, Goodell was watching that, and he just had to, oh, no, 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 no. Ozzy Smart. How, how do we clean this up? And, and Ozzy came out and just said, okay, well, Ray said what he said, and it was accurate to us. So, you know, like Devon mentioned and Marcus mentioned, this cover-up and everything else is getting ugly. And in some ways, it's taken us further away from the issue. Um, it's taken us further away from what Ray Rice did. And for a while there, there was this this big light that was being shined on this ugly, dark thing that happens in way too many houses across our That's country, right. domestic violence. Um, yep. But unfortunately, we, like, we moved further away from that, and now it's about Goodell, and it's about who knew what, and all this peripheral stuff. Um like I mentioned last time we were on the air, uh, one of the few good things, or maybe the only good thing that came out of this ugly situation was that, you know, this this light was being shined on this issue. So I'm a little bit disappointed to see that we shifted away from that. Yeah, and I agree with you. I want to ask a question. I want to pose a question to the real sports guys real quick. Um and I want to set this question up and give it a little context as to why I'm contemplating this particular this particular sure. card has been ringing in my head for a while. Um, at, at one point in time, baseball was the most popular sport in the United States. At one point in time, boxing was the most popular sport in the United States. In both situations, you probably would say that's no longer the case. How long before we look up, and maybe the NFL is not the most popular sport in America anymore. And the reason I'm kind of thinking this, the reason I'm kind of thinking this is because there's two fronts, right? I have a fourth-grade son. In Wisconsin, fourth grade is the first year you can kind of throw on pads and get to play tackle football. He's nine years old. Mm -hmm. So he's playing tackle football. And I'm on the sideline at the East Tackle Football. Just like, oh my god, oh my god! You know they're really very on edge watching this son's 
play football. They're really concerned about mm-hmm. their sons playing football. I've heard conversations that they've had about friends of their sons who are playing football. They're really folks that are not allowing their kid to play football. And to me, that is concerning. And I know football guys start to think about the long-term popularity of the game. One thing that makes football very popular is that so many people played it. High school, you got, you know, in the high school who played football on any given roster. You know, you multiply that by all the high schools in the country. That's a lot of people who know what it's like to play football, who enjoy the game, have a passion for the game, right? So that's creating a fan base in itself right there. Plus you have, again, the casual folks that are drawn into the Sunday spectacle and the draw of being a part of that on a Sunday, and then you have the star power of the players itself. So that those casual folks get turned off by this kind of stuff, right? You see parents limiting participation. Cultural connection and connection to the game. And then the last piece is we may be at a breaking point with what the human body can withstand. The injuries to marquee guys are so vast that it begin, it's beginning to dilute that star power that exists in the league when, you know, guys who you're counting in your commercials aren't even on the field for the majority of the time. We've seen it happen with the running back position. And I think that's just a precursor to what you may see happening. Now, more and more has been done to protect the quarterback, but you've got receivers, running backs, star players who, you know, after two weeks are missing, you know, a quarter of the season, a, a, a third of the season with significant injuries. So then that takes away from the entertainment value because now you have second-tier, third-tier guys out there playing who people don't know as well. And, again, that affects the fantasy piece, the piece that draws in those casual folks because if I draft Jamal Charles, you know what I mean, and I'm waiting to see Jamal Charles and i got to worry about picking up a, a Niall Davis or some guy I've never heard of, or I drafted Arian Foster, and now I've got to go figure out who on God's green earth is Alfred Blue. That's, that's not what I signed up for, right? I wanted those guys to be playing for me. I wanted to follow those guys. Now i got to go find this new name, you know. And so when you you make it much much harder to to – to get into. Now that scares off the secretary because she's like, well, I'm going to come in last, but, you know, the guy I start is injured. And so now i got to hit the waiver wire and figure out who his backup is. I don't got time for that. I just, I'm doing this for fun. So, again, it yeah, kind of cuts I, into that. Yeah, and I, I, I want to, you know, one of the things I, I want to kind of go off of, one of the things that you just said, because I've been thinking about this a lot, and it, it might be kind of counter intuitive in in terms of um, trying to think about uh, how you slow the game down. Because I think part of of addressing the injury is the game's played too fast. And this is kind of counter, but I I, I think if you you think about 
um, the ability to let people use their hands in the five-yard area a little bit longer. I actually think um, a little bit more physical play at the line of scrimmage that doesn't let people run as free um, is might be the strategy to actually slowing the game down. So some of the things that they've done defensively to speed the game up, I think have contributed to the injuries versus I think if they allowed defensive backs to play similar to you know, guys like when, you know, uh, Haynes and some of these guys play where they actually could do some little bit more physical play at the line of scrimmage. Right. Um, you don't have people run. You don't have plays developing as fast and collisions developing as fast as they are. Um, you know, and you you might force the game to have a little bit more continuity than it's had currently. And, I, and that's counterintuitive for most people, but I think the fact that they've, they've created rules that allow people to run free with the size and the speed you have, I think that makes it. But I think if they'd gone back, and this is not popular, it wouldn't be popular in obviously in the NFL office, but if you could if you could be a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage with receivers and push it, I think I think you 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 have different kinds of collisions because you don't have people running at high speed the way you do, and I, that's kind of I've been thinking about it more. And I, you know y'all you know y'all play football, yeah. but I I do think it would change the game a little bit and um, do it. And I think the other thing they got to look at and people haven't talked about is um, you know thinking about how the field is spaced um, as well. So you know you know dimensions have been the same for the longest. You know, they might have to think a little different. But I, I do think that the idea of a little bit more physical play at the line of scrimmage might be might slow down co- collisions in ways that are, are currently happening now. You know, Marcus brought up a really good point of of just how sports like boxing and um, baseball have, have just moved to the background in terms of major mm-hmm. sports that kids play. And – I believe that football is headed in that direction as well for the reasons that you all have already mentioned, you mm-hmm. know, concussions, um, just just the risk. And I think in the next few years we'll see some very meaningful statistics to see um, kids, uh, soccer, like the number of kids um, that are playing soccer at a young age growing. Um, mm-hmm. And the number of kids playing uh, football shrinking, and I mm-hmm. think we may see kids shifting back to baseball. Um, the reason mm-hmm. why boxing, you know, my dad, he's in his 70s right now, and he was part of the generation where everybody grew up in box. <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, it wasn't the YMCA's. It was, you know, especially in in major urban areas, um, it was the boxing clubs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things like golden gloves and other things like that. I mean, boxing was it. But now we see, you know, seeing somebody like Muhammad Ali experience issues that are linked um, to continuous impact to the head, um, mm-hmm. that, that's powerful. Imagine if Michael Jordan, um, towards the end of his career and his first few years in the retirement, and just gradually, we saw a decline in his functioning that was linked to something with basketball. Mm-hmm. Something with basketball. Um, and you can point to that and say that's a big reason why he's having this issue later in life. Um, 
that's what happened with boxing. And you talk to a lot of old schoolers, they will say that was a powerful, powerful thing to see. The most graceful athlete that many people have ever seen just disintegrate due to Parkinson's. So I, I've been screaming from the rooftops for so long. I think football, you know, it, it, it may not take one generation. It may take two generations, but I think unless there's a huge improvement in the equipment to protect concussions, um, we may not know football, you know, 30, 40 years from now if we're basing on what football looks like today. Yeah, and, and, and even the adjustments, I mean, some of the shots, I don't know if you watch it. I mean, and when you play football, I mean, I don't feel, I know you, you wince. The shots to the knees now, you know, just make you wince every time you see it because they're doing the right, right thing. I mean, some of these cats are going low. They just, you know, at some point, you know, you just can't keep getting fine. You know, I, mama <laughs> needs a new pair of shoes. Grandma needs a new pair of shoes. Cousin Jack needs something. I just can't just keep taking these hits. Your knee got to go. Is your, right. is your knee or that or, or that holiday gift I got to get, you know, or I'm gonna get hit with the with the skillet. So it's one of those things where you just gotta, you know, mama don't play, you know, and so you know it's one of those things where you just gotta figure that that kind of out. And I just I just don't I just don't know in the physical play, but I think they're gonna have to think about ways to bring defense back in at the line of scrimmage. You know, I'm not talking about you know, down the field. But I, I think there's going to be some ways to interrupt some things closer to the line of scrimmage. And it's not fan-friendly, but then you have a little bit more of a running game kind of uh, thing. You still can protect, you know, the the quarterback, but you have a little bit more balance in your offense um, so that you don't have, you know, these folks getting laid out the way they're getting laid out. People are running too free. And just running free, if you hit somebody at the size these guys are, just running free, somebody getting hurt. It just is it's physics, uh, but I think you're right. I mean, I've been seeing. How, have you ever watched the Sports Center? How many Manchester United highlights have you seen now versus you saw a year ago? Yeah, I didn't even know Chelsea had right. a team. I'm thinking, like, is that Chelsea, Michigan? No, nah, that's Chelsea. Where's Chelsea? <laughs> you know, I'm sitting down here watching. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching and tweeting on on, on soccer now. But I've seen more wow. soccer highlights on Maine on Maine. Uh, 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 sports center. Now, before you said the top ten highlights, but actually doing the highlights of it that now that I'm seeing that right there is a slow shift. Like feel like you're saying that in two generations, you're gonna start to see some of these other sports emerge. I, I agree. I agree, and I think I think a shift is happening. It's a cultural shift, um, and I think you know. NFL guys will continue to say that it is a it's it's the king of sports and it's not going anywhere, but there've been other kings that have been dethroned. We've seen it happen before. So yeah. the, the, the other thing I to the real sports guy. Tra- oh, let me just say something quick before we transition. The other piece they're doing that the other sports are not doing, like soccer, is there also or basketball? Is is there also been regulating the fun aspect of it? So that's another piece we don't talk about. So it's not just a physical play, but then they're 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 creating ways to minimize. There's no Billy White Shoes Johnson. So you know Billy White Shoes Johnson would have been a star today. And so at the same time, you having these issues, you're also not allowing individualism in a way that happens in soccer and basketball in ways that 
people can get to know the player and the attitude. I think those two things you have to give. You got, if you want them, you got to find a way to allow for the personalities to play out to take people away from some of these other issues. Yeah, you you might need a to or two um, <laughs> in the league um, for all, all all intents and purposes. Um, let's transition a little bit and let's talk a little bit about the actual game that's happening on the field. Weeks two and week three are in the books. Um, we're going to start out with showed up and showed out. Our top performers from week two and three. I start with you, D. Wills. Who you got for showed up and showed out in week two and week three? I, you know, and I know I'm gonna go away from your rules, but it's a it's a special week for me. So I'm, I'm gonna go. <laughs> man, you you can't eat me, nah, man. You want special treatment? You don't do that. Yeah. Well, yeah you, you, you understand? You, you, you understand yeah. why? You understand why? Okay, okay. Normally, I follow your rules, man. You know, y'all 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 have mentored me enough. Normally, I follow y'all rules, but for this one, y'all gotta get me. Le'Veon Bell. And Legarrette Blunt, and and this is why I had to do it because you're only going to give me two people to talk about, so I figure I do them together to combine. Oh, okay. Two hundred and sixty-five yards, thirty-one carries, two hundred sixty-five yards combined. Uh, Blunt had uh, uh, averaged eleven point eight yards per carry, and Bell averaged seven yards per game. That's stealing football. I just had to do that, man. I could. It's the only way I could video do game it. football, man. That's video game football, man. I got excited. I, I, <laughs> I thought I thought the bus was back in the building, so I had to do it that way. <laughs> Here we go, man. Here we go. Okay, Sorry, okay. Game, That's a, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let it slide this week, man. I'm gonna let it slide this week. But uh, I like I like to pick I like to pick. Le'Veon Bell has been putting in work. Um, Garrett Blunt, man, if there has ever been a more fitting last name for a guy. (laughs) 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 Oh, man, if there has ever been. They got a hashtag, hashtag Blunt Force. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. So... Okay, I, I I like those. I like those. You you stayed with you with, with you kind of went a little homerish on us, but I, I give you a pass. I give you a pass. You excited <laughs> yeah, about the squad? Phd, where you in, man? Kirk Cousins and Niles Paul. I'll I'll spend the time talking about Niles Paul. Um, Fourteen catches, 167 yards, and a touchdown over the past two weeks. This guy just looks like a star. He looks like a wide receiver out there, but he's a big, strong guy who can block playing tight end. Um, but he has the ability to really separate. It's going to be scary when when Reed comes back from the Redskins. I think they're going to do a lot of two tight end sets, like we saw the Patriots doing two years ago when Aaron Hernandez, as well as uh, Gronkowski, were in their prime. So I I like the prospects with Washington. Um, so now it's Paul is the guy I wanted to highlight this week. All right. Uh, and the, the guy I want to highlight, and D. Wills, how would you leave Antonio Brown out of the mix? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because I, I love Antonio Brown, but for the Steelers to win, they got to get back to beating people over the line of scrimmage. I just got excited. I'm sorry, man. Okay. I was, okay. I was crying. Okay. I was crying. I just had to ask. 
a tear came I just had to ask. <laughs> had to ask. My guy is a much maligned uh, player, uh, Jake Cutler. Uh, he has been stepping up and playing some really good football, uh, 750 yards in three games, eight touchdowns to two picks, and I think the key stat is the two picks. Because um, as we know, Cutler likes to give the ball to the guys in the other color jerseys quite often yeah. in very bad situations. And he's not doing that right now. And until the Packers and Aaron Rodgers figure out how to stop people and run the ball, um, until the Lions uh, start taking some of Brandon Marshall's meds and stop being so bipolar, uh, <laughs> and the Vikings stop being the Vikings, the Bears are the front runner in the NFC North. Um and a lot of that's because of the play of Jay Cutler. He's spreading the ball around. He's getting those talented receivers involved. He's using the tight end. Um, so shout out to Jay Cutler. You know, much maligned guy, but he's been playing well these first couple of weeks of the season. So I give him a little shine here on the show. All right. Uh, those are some guys that are playing well, right? Showed up and showed out is for guys who are playing well. Right now, we're going to put on our fancy football hats. PAD's in four leagues, D-Wheels is in two, I'm in four leagues. Um, and I'm sure that after three weeks of fantasy football action, we've noticed some trends with some guys who are big-name guys who are not performing or either hurt all the time. So who are some guys that you're worried about going forward, PAD, that you've seen and that either you own or you know people that pick these guys in the first five picks of a draft and they're not performing. Yeah. Oh, there's a few guys I can talk about. I'll I'll limit it to two. Matt Stafford. <laughs> so I'm in two Q two different actually three different um leagues in which you can start two different quarterbacks. One at the quarterback position the second one in the, kind of like an offensive player position, you can put anybody in there. Um, I went Matt Stafford in all three of those leagues. And my first two picks in all three of those leagues were um, Drew Brees or Ann Rogers, and then in all three of the leagues it was Stafford as my second pick in the second round. And this past week, and I had to search the World Wide Web to figure out if he actually played. Because <laughs> in, in Eric's league, in, you know, in the Guru's league, we get, I mean, you you really have to score about 225 points to win on a weekly basis. So the scoring is kind of out of hand. I love it. But one of the things is is fumbles. You get hit for a fumble and a lost fumble. So if a guy loses a fumble, it's negative five points. And if he gets sacked, it's negative two points. So Matt Stafford ended the day with zero points. Zero. <laughs> oh, boy. He's, the first few weeks he got me about 30 to 40 points. And he's projected to get about 20 each week, which is, you know, as good as any other quarterback. Peyton Manning maybe project to get a little bit more, he and Drew Brees, but that's pretty strong. And then Aaron Rodgers this past week. I'm not worried about him, but he got me four points. I'm not worried about him. The second guy I'm worried about is Jordan Cameron, the tight end for the Cleveland Browns. And 
normally I don't believe the hype in tight ends, but I deal with this guy. And this guy was a special player last year. Unfortunately, he was very special when when Josh Gordon was on the field. As we know, Josh Gordon won't be coming back at the earliest until week 12. So um, I'm hoping, because right now the defenses are really collapsing on this guy. Plus, he's been struggling with a shoulder problem. So I'm just really hopeful that he can use this up, upcoming week as a bye week um, and, and get rested and come back for week five like gangbusters. This past game, he caught either one or two balls for about 20 yards. That clearly is disappointing. Yeah, both of those are good picks. Good, solid picks right there. Um, the mad-making that uh, both of those guys are causing people out there is is, is well-noted. D. Wills, uh, give me some guys, man. Give me some names. Name names. I, I can't name names. I just need to throw a dart and just hit anybody on my team. Anybody on my <laughs> team, just throw. I, when, you, when I looked at this, I should say, should I just close my eyes and just throw a dart? You know, put all my folks up there just throw a dart out there. Just, you know, it. it part of it, I want to say this, it's karma on Phil T. Because, you know, he dogged me out a couple weeks ago. You know, um, you know, dog me out. So I, I feel good. It's good to know. I don't wish anything on anybody. But, you know, karma is that kind of thing that you need to look at. One person that just scares me, uh, just, I thought he would just give me more, uh, was LaShawn McCoy. And he's just been, I mean, he's got like 175 yards total for the season, one touchdown, a fumble. Uh, he's got like 64 yards receiving. I mean, I, I just figured he would give me more. Um, uh, and he just, you know, hasn't um, done enough for me that, you know, is you need somebody who can carry you. And I figure in that offense, um, he would be able to get uh, his share, his fair share. He just hasn't found uh, his stuff. And he got knocked out and then came back in, trying to take his helmet back. Um, that was uh, a lot uh, to deal with. Um, you know, I had the geriatric league. You know, you know they got on me about it, but I, you know my whole idea of getting Brady was like I didn't need him to get thirty, forty points. Well, I was hoping that he would just give me a steady eighteen to twenty every week. You know, nothing. You know, I would look. You know, every once in a while, sure, I knew he was in his 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 uh, his, his Bob Greasy days managing my my fantasy team, but I thought he would just you know give me that that solid 18 and 19 a game, and I just haven't seen it. And so that works because every once in a while you just need that guy you can count on every week no matter what everybody else is doing, and that's what I was looking for for him for that, and it just wasn't happening for me. I can continue. If you you want me to just keep going, I can keep going. Uh, Frank Gore (laughs) – Frank Gore is doing it. He's doing it every once in a while, but, you know, uh, like y'all might be right. Father Time is catching up there. I don't know what's going on, Seth Rand. My boy Harbaugh, hail to the victors, baby. I know you're going, you're going home, it sounds like. Whatever's happening, it might look like you're going home. You're going home. You're go- I don't know because Frank Gore is not doing what he needs to do. I don't know. I could just keep <laughs> going at the team. But I made some moves. Hopefully, in, uh, in 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 a couple of weeks, I could probably share a brighter side of my team. Okay, okay. Well, you know, I'm doing very well so far this season. I'm in four <laughs> leagues. 
I'm doing very well. Hey. You started out very well. Hey. I, I have no weakness. One team, one team is three and zero. Two teams are two and one, and I got one squad squad at two at one and two. Um, but I, I actually think that team is gonna uh, probably wind up being my best squad. Um, but overall, I'm I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, I haven't gotten burned by anybody, and you know why? Because of the the, the, the simple fact that you just laid out, D. Wills, is that I took a guy I could count on week in and week out with my first pick in pretty much every draft, and that guy was Aaron Rodgers, right? And he's gotten off to a slow start, but I didn't buy into the running back hype. And this is what I've yeah. learned over the last two years, is that top five running backs are the worst value in any league. In fantasy football right now, top five, Running back guys taking in the running backs taking in the top five are the worst value. Adrian Peterson, that's a whole other situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna take that one with a tip for switch. <laughs> oh, oh. Underproducing, you know, Marshawn uh, Marshawn Lynch has been doing his thing, but other than that, the other four guys, Eddie Lacy, underproducing. These guys are all in the mix as top five, top six guys. Only one of them is scoring where you would anticipate they score through three weeks. Now, three weeks is a is a significant chunk of a fantasy football season, and if you had a top five pick and wasted it on one of these guys, you're probably one and two. Well, only three right now. And guess what? It's your own fault. I knew better. That karma thing I've been talking about, Phil, don't, you're going to have a friend here in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I back myself up, man. I back myself up. I invested in, I invested in a, a, a consistent quarterback in every league. Backs him up with another consistent quarterback. So if Aaron Rodgers goes down, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to get my points from the spot I need to get points from. These cats that took Shady McCoy is scrambling. Cats that took Jamal Charles, wish they had Nile Davis. Cats that took Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Sorry for you. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way anybody could have predicted that. No, no, I mean, no. seriously, that's just a whole other situation. But there are a lot of guys, all jokes aside, there are a lot of guys who are not performing right now after three weeks. I mean, Eddie Lacy's top rushing game is like 34 yards. Um, Shane McCoy all of a sudden seems like he's in some sort of timeshare, and I'm looking at notes, and he's out for this week as of today. <laughs> they got him yeah. listed as out. So he's not even playing. Um, Aaron Foster, out. I mean, all of these guys that were top picks um, at the running back position just aren't holding up. And, again, Alfred Blue, anybody, Alfred Blue. <laughs> so, it, it may, Carmel may come back and get me, but I'm laughing right now because I'm on top of the world, baby. On top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> So let's keep it rolling. 
Speaking of injuries, let's talk about the situation in Washington um, before we close out this segment. Um, RG3, dislocated ankle, um, didn't uh, break a bone, which means he should be okay um, within about a month. Um, So he should be back in about five to six weeks on the field. Question to you guys, and I'm going to start with you, PAC, since you gave this guy your showed up and showed out award for this uh, for these last two weeks. Does RG3 get this job back? It's a tough question, especially the way Kirk Cousins has been playing and, and just how um, robust that offense has been looking under the direction of Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins didn't even need any ramp-up time. He pretty much just came there and, RG3 got hurt and, and picked up the ball and, and said, okay, uh, I'm going to make this work right away. Whew. Um, I think it depends. If the team is winning, so let's say RG3 comes back in week eight and they've played seven games and all of a sudden, uh, right now they're one and two, but let's say in the next four games they win three out of the four, and, you know, they're looking at four and three when RG3 comes back, you know, say at week eight. I think it's going to be tough for a Gruden to sit Cousins, especially if the offense continues to put up 30-plus points a game. Because these were not things that we saw the offense doing when RG3 played last year. Um, it's it's a slippery slope because they have annoyed it RG3, the franchise quarterback, especially after his excellent rookie year. Oh, I'm so mixed here, in, like in regards to my feelings. Um, but I think that Washington owes it to themselves to stick with RG3 through this season, especially if he's able to get back. Um I don't like when guys lose their job to injuries. I always think of the Alex Smith situation, although a couple of years ago in San Francisco, although it was clearly the, the right move, that team almost won the Super Bowl with Kaepernick. Um, I just – you don't get a special talent like RG3 often. And I think the team owes it to themselves to give him another – like to give him this year before they move on. And if you think about it, it's really just last year. Last year was was a bust because he was injured for the most part. Um, and it was, it's looking like the case now. Now you have a question of is he, is he durable enough? And I just don't think you can make that decision this year. Yeah, and and I I, I have a, I have a comparison with with how I feel about RG three right now. Um, I'm going to throw this at you guys and, and get your response. Um, you know, I, I, I like to parallel athletes and rappers a lot, um, just how careers go. And right now, RG3 is Method Man. Um, we talk about the parallel. That's first album. Devon, what are your thoughts with the whole RG3 situation? Well, I, what I looked at it is, you know, there is a, a couple things. There's a couple things playing against us. You know, this this uh, microwave generation, right, of we we switch 
right when we panic. So it's going to, you know, do we let quarterbacks have to evolve? And um, um, I heard, you know, Chris Carter talking about, um, you know, when uh, Smith was a running back over at uh, Minnesota and he had all those injuries in those early years and then kind of put it together after he got through it and was going. But, you know, do we have the patience to to let things go? Um, I think I think um, they're in a unique situation. The one thing I think people need to defend against is the idea of the backup quarterback. How many people have we had, Matt Flynn, all these folks who were just um, legitimate Go to sure things. Even even Shab, who had some success, um, uh, not be able to sustain it. There's a reason why people are back up, and I know this situation kind of evolved uh, in a different way. But I do think that they they need to know if they have a plan. I, I agree with you. They need to give him one more shot because the worst case scenario, you know, if he does play well and they think they're going to trade him they have an opportunity to trade him and get a legitimate pick for him, you know, whether it's a nice third or second round pick for him, because somebody's going to want him. Um, mm-hmm. He can still play the game. Um, and then you can have cousins step in, but and people need to be very careful. I mean, you and I have been watching this for a long time and there's a lot of people that we thought were just, you know, shoe in folks, once you let them step in. And I remember a whole old, old Hubie Brown line when, Hubie used to people say, well, if you just play that guy 30 minutes, what would he be doing? And Hubie had to remind people that, remember Hubie talking about that? You know, that that, that correlation just doesn't happen. You know, because right. the guy averaging 11, 7 to 15 minutes doesn't believe they're going to average 25 because you give them more minutes, because that's more opportunities to make mistakes. You know, right. there's something Hubie, they know. Hubie will hit you with a, well, you have to understand. <laughs> You and I know that. And I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is a starting quarterback. I'm not trying to put him in there um, because I thought he was a real good quarterback coming out of of college. You know, I thought he had starting ability from what he demonstrated in college at you know Michigan State. But you know, I I think that people have to be careful with it. Um, You know, if I were just a shrewd uh, GM. I would bring him back, get him started, get him going with the idea that I would trade him. If 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 you felt like you just didn't have the capacity to withstand. The other thing you got to do is it all depends on also how strong their running game is going to be. You know, uh, if they can really develop a strong running game, then that allows for RG3 to get work back in the offense in a different way. Um they just can't stay healthy at the running back position. But if they, you know, if they can get that running game going, then that also allows you to think about how you use RG3 in a, in a different way as well. They got the talent on the field. They got some playmakers. But, you know, I, I think people got to be very careful with this backup quarterback thing. There's too much evidence. What that's, kind of value? That's, that's, yeah. What kind of value would you two put – on Kirk Cousins in terms of a draft pick. Let's say he continues to play well this year, but Washington decides that they want to go with RG3, but they're going to move Cousins. If you're a team in need of a quarterback, what kind of uh, value would you give Washington in, in in terms of trade picks? I mean, I think if he's still playing, if he's playing at the level that we think he can finish the season with, I mean, he's probably going to, you know, they're probably going to get a, a second round for him at least, 
in some cases, depending on the team, they might push up. I mean, it's surprising, but they might push a first-round pick because you, he's got some proven work and he's young. You know, there's not too many kids you're going to have coming out. you got some, some decent players. you got, you know, if you can get Jameis or, you know, but I don't know if any of those folks, those, those folks coming through have a ceiling higher than Kirk Cousins, even with all I said. So you might go a second, right team. You know, right team might push you into a first-round pick, but, you know, a second and a fourth, something, you know, you, you, you're going to get something good for him. But is that overpaying? Given, given the history, well, given the history of how this winds up going, is that overpaying? You know, because it's, it's like every GM thinks it's not going to happen to me. Like this is our guy. That was that was Matt Flynn, right? <laughs> that was this person. Matt that Castle. was this person, Matt Castle. But this isn't Matt Castle. Scott because Mitchell. you think about it. Yeah, Scott Mitchell, because everybody <laughs> saw her cousin as a starting quarterback and was surprised when Washington drafted him. So people were looking to draft him as someone who could be a contributor either as a rookie or, you know, that's how people were grading him. And I think they were thrown, up, blown, they were, they were thrown off when Washington drafted him. So I think those people still see him, if they would have had a chance to draft him, as someone who could have been a quarterback in their franchise. So some of those kind of folks, those GMs, will probably do it. Yeah, I would shy away from it, man. And if I'm a GM, I'm not giving anything over. If he was drafted in the fourth round, I'd give you a fourth round. <laughs> That's my perspective, especially with these quarterbacks. Because, again, Matt Flynn, where does that guy now? You know what I mean? Castle, journeyman. He's back in green. Oh. Um, back in green. That's where the yeah. Is he back in Green Bay? <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. He is back in Green Bay. Um, look at Josh McCown. Josh McCown set the world on fire oh, in Chicago at the end of last season, and this guy's been horrible in Tampa. So for me, yeah. it's about system with some of these backups. Um, and if I'm going to run the exact same system that Washington is running, then Cousins is a guy I give something higher than a fourth round four. But if I'm going to be putting him in something not exactly like what I've seen him do, I'm good. I'm good. Because in situations like that, it just doesn't translate. So I'd be a little gun-shy if I was a GM as far as giving up a ton in picks for Cousins. Um, I'd call Washington's bluff and let them have to make a choice. Because, again, when you talk about the new rookie weight scale, they're, both of their contracts come up in the same year. Yeah. So Washington's going to have to figure out – what to do with both of those guys, who to extend and who to let go. I call that bluff and I wait. Well, but but it depends on if you're a GM and a coach who only got one more shot. See, there's always going to be two or three GM and a coach. You know, if you dial, if you if you Miami and Tannehill's not working out and you know you got one, maybe two years, you know, it, that's just going to be this, that's going to be part of the equation. Right? You, you, if you're doing that, that means you secure. But about three quarters of the league not sitting like you sitting. They look at it, they look at a quarterback. We look like he got a limp that they don't want. <laughs> and they know if we got one more bad season. I'm sitting on. I'm sitting on the. Uh, I'm sitting up there on uh, NFL countdown. You know that that's that's the world they live in. So I think somebody's gonna overpay for it. Because you can count on a third of the league being in that situation.
Yeah, well, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm not giving up a time for him. Um, but I want to transition this real quick. We got two segments to fin- uh, finish up in this NFL section of the show. Um, I want to get into our uh, Renegade top three rankings. Uh, PhD, give me your top three teams after three weeks of the season. Who you got? Who? Um, I no longer have Detroit. Let me just put that on out there. Um, <laughs> I was going to help you with that one. <laughs> I go Cincinnati, Seattle, and Denver. I know Seattle lost a somewhat surprising game. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a surprise. They lost uh, two weeks or last week, week two, two weeks ago to San Diego at home. And But I, I still think that they are one of the best teams um, in – the NFC. You know what? Check that. I'm going to go Cincy, Seattle, and Carolina. I know Carolina looked pretty mm. bad against Pittsburgh. Man, you really but... rolling with this D'Angelo train. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can I tell you back? He you back in. He sucked you back in. Every time you get All out, right. he pull you right back in. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus, for just kind of slapping me and reminding me. Let me give you my top three again. Cincinnati, <laughs> Seattle, and Denver. That's who I'm sticking with. All right, all right, all right. Solid top three, solid top three. I like the Bengals. Um, they seem to be asserting themselves. Um, and Denver and Seattle, you know, I can't argue with those. I can't argue with those picks at all. Very sound picks. D. Wills, go ahead, take a crack at it. All right. So the champs are just, you know, doing what the champs are here. Uh, I'm going to go with Seattle. Um, and, and I would say the Broncos and the Bengals. And, and uh, I still think, you know, I like the Bengals. I just don't trust them. So but I still <laughs> yeah. think they're solid right now as we, we, we sit. They're there. And, I, you know, you just said the two heavyweights battle last weekend, and they still they still the best in the business, and I think the Bengals in there. What I was surprised, the Eagles close. Because even though they, they had to come back to win three games, they're going to get better, and their division isn't strong enough to keep. So they're going to correct some things, and then I, they're, going, they're going to go on a run. I mean, Chip Kelly, people better start taking, paying attention. I'm with Eagles. Uh, Eagles three. Um, I have Cincinnati in my top three. Uh, and I'm going chalk. I, I got to go Arizona at 3-0. and I mean, somebody beat them. You know, with the backup quarterback, um, with some injuries up front, that's a very talented group of guys. And they may sneak and win the West out there, which is a very tough division. St. Louis is going, has taken a step back, given all the injuries they face. San Francisco has been a little Jekyll and Hyde to start the season. And Arizona proved they can beat Seattle in Seattle last year. Um, so I like Arizona. Um, I like Philly for a lot of reasons you laid out, D-Wills. And, and the same with Cincinnati. So those are my top three. I'm going with the three and O's. Um, let's quickly get into uh, double up, uh, double down. And we'll start with you, D-Wills. Uh, predict the team to go two and O. Uh, and then predict the, predict the team to go 0-2. Who do you got? 
Well, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm doing a homer today, kind of gravy chain, but uh, it's my Steelers. They got the Bucks, I think, and the Jags coming up. Um, I like that running game. If they can keep going, uh, they're gonna eat a lot. Of, they're gonna eat a lot of ground up. It's gonna be some ground chuck going on over the next two weeks with the Steelers. Actually, it's the it's the team that uh, Bill T says he like. I think Carolina might be in trouble. I think they go to the Ravens and then they play the uh, Bears, I believe, at home. And uh, I think they got a chance. I mean, they they look like they got some problems offensively. The defense is getting a little worn down. You go play a physical Ravens team, get beat up a little bit more. Then you got to come back with the Bears and try and stay. You know, if they keep it moving, uh, I think Carolina. It, it's not popular. But I think Carolina might go zero two over the stretch. Okay. And I picked them to All win. Right. That. I picked them to win that that division. But I just, I, I think I see zero two there. Okay. Uh, PhD, who you got? Green Bay. Green Bay will go two and zero in the next two weeks. They will beat Chicago on the road. I love uh, Aaron Rodgers came out and pretty much just said that the Packer Nation needs to R E L A X. We gotta get that drop. We gotta like get that, that drop. That's a, that's a <laughs> I like that, and then I think they're good. They're going to beat uh, Minnesota at home the following week. Okay. All right. And who you got going 0-2 over this net, over this stretch? Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to say Arizona was going to go 0-2 at the stretch, but unfortunately they have a bye week for week four, <laughs> so I can't go with that. That's not possible. Uh, <laughs> that's where I wanted to go. But I'll take the easy out. I'll say Oakland will lose to Miami this coming week. Um, although Oakland has looked a lot better. Um, but I I still cannot trust them. And then the following week, I believe that Oakland will lose as well. So those are, uh, I believe Oakland's going to go 0-2. <laughs> Oakland. Sway, Sway Callaway. We drop it, look. We might have to talk to my guy, Mike Marcus. The mic sounds right. Check one. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, where real guys talk real sports. Sponsored by Resistance Digital Solutions. ResistanceDigital.com. RSG. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com 
or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. All right, and we're back the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. All guests and hosts appear via the Fetchers Accounting Gateway. Fetchers Accounting, the official accountant of the Real Sports Guys. So, fellas, we're going to talk some NCAA football. Let's just get right into it. Jameis Winston, is this kid killing himself, killing his draft stock, or what? PhD. Yes. <laughs> abruptly. Abruptly. Simply put. Yes. Concise and to the point. Concise and to the point. That's, yes. That's going to be a drop for we gotta get We got to get your yes. That's a drop for us right there. Yes. <laughs> I, I want to yes. ask you all a question. Is Jameis Winston the new – is he the black Eddie Haskell? Y'all watch Leave it to Beaver. You know, when you come in and see everybody say the right thing, and then they go back in the room and he start acting a fool, you know, we always just say, don't be Eddie Haskell. He say, he, Eddie Haskell, I mean, uh, I was listening to uh, 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 Mark Slarer, and he was said he, he saw him at one of the, I think it was the SB, one of the events, and, you know, guy, he came up smiling, talking to him, and I guess he kind of went in on him and said, you know, you know, just behave, you know, come on, bye-bye. He's like, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It goes on. And then, you know, he pulls his stuff. The guy gets in front of the microphone. He's like, we at Florida State do things the right way. It's like, man, I'm trying to – is he Is he Eddie Haskell? <laughs> Am I dating myself? <laughs> like can, you be, can you be Eddie Haskell in the Twitter sphere where people can catch you on other things? Or is he just – you know, 20 years old, doing crazy stuff like y'all probably did or I did or whatever. Now it's public, you know. Um, it, you, you know, it's somebody – I don't know. They got a lot of great alums, Dion and all these folks. Nobody's talking to him? Yeah, I don't know if he thinks he's Eddie Haskell, but what he can think is that he can be Johnny Manziel. Oh. Uh, that that's a mistake he can't make. He can't think he's gonna get away with what Johnny Football got away with, and have people view him in the same light. If he thinks he's gonna be able to walk that line, he's got another thing coming um, in the United States of America. Because there's no way if Johnny Manziel was uh, Jaquan Jackson, people would be fawning over him the way they are. So I think James might want to check himself. Um, and just figure out how to go about things a little bit differently, especially given the NFL climate right now where I think guys with questionable past or checkered past are going to get looked at a little bit differently going forward, given how things have played out with suspensions and and that kind of stuff for things that teams just couldn't anticipate. So now I think teams are going to be a little bit gun-shy about guys who have some of these issues that Jameis uh, has displayed with his uh, inability to make sound decisions. Yeah, and I'm wondering, I mean, y'all grew up, like, where are your boys? Like, you know, we all had guys around us who would tell us 
you're messing up. Like we had cats who messed up, but we, we, you know, you know, we, we gonna go in this back room and have a conversation if you can't straighten up. I mean, you have people that you know you talk to them, you know, but who, you, you, who are those guys around some of these folks? Like, but man, that's not this generation, man. We we came from the keep it real yeah. generation. This is a different generation, yeah. man. Um, wow. You know, the facade is real for 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 a lot of young folks, and you know, they just glad to be able to. You know, they're not necessarily concerned with Jameis being grounded and, and keeping it real and staying true. That's a uh, a a uh, perspective that's kind of gone by the wayside um, in in a generation. So, you know, you're right. You know, we have people that would be like, oh, you're getting too Hollywood, you know, you're selling out or whatever. Nowadays, you know, selling out is the goal. (laughs) When we were coming up, it was a thing that you wanted to avoid. Nowadays, selling out is the is the end result, man. Yeah, that, that's Sell the goal, all the way out. you know. Exactly. You know, leave wow. leave nothing, leave leave no stone unturned on your way to selling out. So here's the and, question and that's I want to pose like, I was saying that that's why a program like Florida State is important to bring back some of their greats who you, you need. I don't know how they are around the program or not. They need some of that mentorship around there. But I'll leave it alone. Back to your next question. Yeah, so if, if, if let's say PhD, you're the GM that decides next season, next April or May or whenever the draft is, you're taking Jameis. Um, how do you support this kid? Why don't you take that one, D. Wills? I would say, I would say, you know, one of the things that, you know, if you're going to take it, you got to make sure you have veterans in the locker room, which is hard in the NFL right now. I think that's part of the problems with the collective bargaining agreement was supposed to solve that, right? It was supposed to create more money to have more veterans to be able to, you know, pay money for veterans. And, you know, like most business people, the, the owners found ways, they're still not paying those veterans. So, you got to make sure you got the right kind of locker room with him. You know, but make no mistake about it. They won a national championship. He's getting drafted in the first round. But you got you got to have people you, – you got to know that you got the locker room to do the policing. Um, and, you know, you're going to have to ha- – yeah, you got to have some veterans who right away take him under his wing, you know. Uh, or if he's getting drafted with a team in a similar way as Johnny, where you might have a veteran already at, the, at that helm – who he can learn from, but you got to make sure that you got the veterans in the locker room who going to, you know, put that thumb on him as soon as he comes in. Okay. And then I hire, and I, and I hire Chris Carter as a consultant for my team to be spent time with. <laughs> Go ahead, PAD, take a crack at it. I think Jameis is going to be fine. I really do. Um, I think he's made some poor decisions. The spotlight is really on him. You know, he, he and Johnny Manziel are the first two people to ever win uh, the Heisman Trophy as freshmen um, in terms of their first full year being exposed to college football. And I believe that Jamin Winston's 
experience on the baseball field and and being um in that culture where um there are certain things that you just can't get away with in baseball. There are unwritten rules on the field, but also in the dugout um, that really humble you. And I think that once he is tossed into an NFL locker room, his familiarity with baseball, he had to do to conform to be a member on the baseball team, will will help him in the NFL. I truly do believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong, obviously, but um, I think that through the draft process and – um, just just the preparation, he will have uh, like he will pay people to really get in his face and give him the feedback to let him know like, listen, you're on stage for the next few months through this whole draft prep process. You can go in the at the end of the first round or the early second round and be Geno Smith, or you can listen to us and really change and take these changes to heart, and you can be a top ten pick. Um, but but your changes have to be sincere, um, and and I think he'll get that. He's a smart right. kid. I mean, I, I mean, what, yeah. He, what they say, he got in the Stanford. He's a smart kid, so it's not like he doesn't know. That might be part of it. You know, sometimes he probably be so smart. His social skills, he getting some, he getting loved, and he probably wasn't expected. I don't know what it is, but he is. He's he's a smart kid. It's not that he doesn't have the aptitude to do it. That's not it. Agreed. So uh, let's 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 kind of bring it more close to home for you guys. Let's talk about Brady Hoax and the situation in Michigan. Uh, Michigan is struggling right now. A home loss to the University of Utah. You heard that right. Big Blue lost <laughs> to the University of Utah in the big house. Um, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, Brady Hoax is definitely on on a war a seat that's warming up by the moment. Um, you're from the you're from the A square, as you like to call it affectionately. Uh, D wheels. What's the buzz on the streets of Ann Arbor? I can't say it. Well, all you have to do is read an article, and you Michigan folks know Michael Taylor former Michigan quarterback, has an article. You should check it out, Google it, where he just blasts the whole program, how they treat alums, uh, how they've been, uh, some of the things they did to um, erode uh, Rich Rodriguez when he was here, um, just the state of the program kind of uh, where he went off. And, you know, I've been hearing that. I was on the phone with my brother today, um, and I think people are just – not liking the way that they're operating, even from a day-to-day basis. They're just not operating the way that I think they, people have used to see in Michigan operate. Brady's brought in some five-star athletes, so he's not like he hasn't brought any talent in, but they're not coaching them. Brady, put your head, your headset on, man. You got to communicate. You got to know what's being said. The glasses and no headset is not working. Uh, but it's over, and I think – you know, I've been calling for it. I said, you know, Harbaugh is going to be a name that's going to percolate, whether it's John or Jim. Um, there's going to be some other folks. But this one is clearly gone out the door. Um, there's a sense, you know, he would have to do a lot to, I think, at this point, be able to keep uh, his job. 
Um, but just some of the rumblings from the alums and how they're feeling about their own experiences, uh, that's the part that's going to hurt it a lot. When you have people like Taylor, you know, out there saying the things he's saying and other alums beginning to speak up, um, you know, it's it's a sad day in Ann Arbor. Yeah, and here's a question I want to pose. Is, is Michigan even the flagship program in that state, football program in that state anymore? PhD, what do you think? No, they're not. Uh, Michigan State, the last couple of years, they have um, – I think the worst thing that happened to Brady Hope is that he came in and made a BCS Bowl his first year. Yep. It just – it heightened expectations, and um, and the reality of it was when Rich Rod was there, Michigan State started winning that state. Notre Dame started winning that state in regards to recruiting. And when you have, like, Michigan used to be able to win the state of Michigan and most of the Midwest. Now they're losing kids from Michigan um, to Ohio State to Michigan State, to Notre Dame, and in some situations they're even losing kids uh, to the Western Michigans and Eastern Michigans to a smaller scale, but it's happening. And it's just in bad shape right now. What they have going for them is Michigan Stadium, uh, the big house, and, and just the history and I hope they give Brady more time because I truly believe that Brady Hoke is the right person to lead that program. But in this day and age, uh, we have to win now. We're going to freak out if we miss out on hardball. And, uh, he may not get that time, but I hope he can save his year. And I think saving his year would mean going on a run, finishing you know, with eight or nine wins, uh, and making uh, a decent bowl. Not a New Year's Day ball, close to it. And what I want to add is what I appreciate, I think Phil hits up in, when Brady Hoke came, and people didn't like the the decision, and, but what I liked about him, I felt like he was going to bring back something about that Mexican culture. That meant I, I felt like he was going to be the one bringing back the players, bringing back the culture, bringing back folks around the program, you know, getting Desmond, getting – you know, they they finally got Brady back. But there's a whole bunch of, of folks who live in that area who played at at the University of Michigan. I thought he would bring that back. And when I hear things like I or I read things like I'm hearing from, you know, Michael Taylor, that's the part that disappoints me the most because that was what I thought Brady would do a really good job of. And, and people got to ask me, even losing, you know, it, he's not losing recruits. Look at the kids he's brought in. They're all five-star athletes. They're not out of Michigan. But they all five star athletes. He got the the, the what top uh, DB uh, uh, on the team. Uh, Green was one of the top running backs in the country coming out, if not the top. So he's got talent. It's not that he doesn't have talent on the team. Is what you do with that talent. All those kids look. Go back and look at his recruiting class. They all four five star athletes. So it's not like he he might not be getting a couple kids up, but he's getting. You know he's got a lot of kids playing in the Under Armour game. So he's got players coming in there. It's what do they do when they get there? And I thought he would create that family atmosphere that I don't sense he's doing. Well, yeah, it's not happening. 
is not happening and is not popping uh, for Big Blue right now. So that's a program that's, you know, they don't want to enter into that that territory, you know, where they fall off the radar because, again, you're talking about 17-, 18-, 19-year-olds in a microwave culture where it's what's yeah. about what's hot right now and not what was hot, you know, when my dad was playing, when my dad was in the mix. It's what's hot right. right now. And right, right now yeah. Michigan State is running there, running, running the mitten. And uh, Big Blue better figure it out real fast or they're going to lose what little ground they have remaining um, in that state. So before we uh, go into the last word, I want to get your final four NCAA teams, who you got in the final four tournament for the NCAA as of today. PhD, why don't you kick us off? I can't believe I'm going to do this, but um, I'm going Old Miss. And, and keep in mind, right now, the SEC has uh, four or five teams in the top ten. And mm-hmm. this doesn't even include Mississippi State, who beat LSU this past weekend, and Mississippi State is still undefeated. I'm going Old Miss, Oregon, Michigan State, and BYU. Okay. All right. Uh, Ole Miss is a sneaky one. Ole Miss is a sneaky yeah. one. That, that one's off my radar. But you're right. The SEC has seven of the top 14 teams in the country in that particular conference. Um, the LSU is sitting number 17 um, on the just on the outside looking in. It's crazy when you really think about it. Uh, D. Wills, who you got in the Final Four? I mean, I got it the way I believe the rankings are going right now. I mean, you got, what, Florida State, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Oregon. Yeah, I think Oklahoma is a team that, you know, that I think can – I don't think they'll have as much opposition. And I think the win over Alabama has really been good for the program. I think they'll find a way to be there. Uh, Oregon, you know, I think beating Michigan State really pushed in the way they had to beat Michigan State, which is an elite team, um, I think is – really um, going to position them. And, I, you know, I think FSU and Alabama, I think, you know, I, I think they're going to get there. I think they're going to have some challenges, but I think those are the four. Might slip up and make a mistake. Um, in my four, I have a wild card, um, much like PAZ does. Uh, they have a game still remaining against Florida State. They still have a big game. Let's start over, Martin. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, Notre Dame uh, is the four, is the fourth. I'm, I'm plugging in and pulling Oregon out. Um, I'm pulling Oregon out. I think Oklahoma has a has a pretty clear pass. Um, I don't know about Alabama. I'm just I'm, I'm just calling that SEC spot. Alabama's in it right now. Um, the SEC is going to have at least one team. But Notre Dame is the wild card. They're not in the conference. Um, and I think that if they can give Florida State a challenge, possibly beat them, and then go into that game against with USC at the end of the season, I think Notre Dame puts himself in the mix because they have a very strong schedule. Um, and I think that's where being able to create your own schedule and not be in a conference benefits Notre Dame in this new format. So I got Notre Dame as a wild card in this whole situation. 
Um, so you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're heading into the last word. D-Wills, this week it is all yours. I'm going to get you set up. And you got it, man. Roll with it. All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick, uh, quick thing. We're, we're sitting here with uh, number two about to retire, and we had probably what I would say the most disturbing um, kind of media blitz on his retirement from Keith Overland that you would ever hear. You know, there, we've come to a point in today's society that we just can't allow for somebody just to gracefully go. We can't just appreciate someone being solid and always being on, we have to find a way, even with somebody like Derek Jeter, to find some type of problem with the way that people are sitting him out. I cannot believe that Keith Overland would take the mic at a time like this, with all the other craziness that's going on, and attack one of our athletes, of our best athletes of our time in terms of not only how he played on the field, but how his field play resembled what he did off the field. And to have that happen here in the media is something that is crazy. So, Keith, we're going to do your letters. We're about to KO you. That's the last word. 